Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, Nerdist Podcast episode number 241. Check out the Nerdist channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nerdist. Recently put up a video of Bill Nye teaching me how to tie a bow tie to celebrate the fact that Bill Nye is coming to the Nerdist channel. Also shows from Neil deGrasse Tyson and Neil Patrick Harris. Two Neils. Uh, Cop Skyrim is a show that I'm excited about. All-Star Celebrity Bowling is coming back soon. Uh, and you might go, well, why do I need to subscribe to that? Because, uh, number one, it helps us, just quite honestly, if you subscribe. And uh, it helps us to support this whole initiative so we can keep making more stuff. And then also, uh, it just lets you know what's coming down the pipeline. And then you don't have to just guess or wait until someone tells you, like, oh, look at this thing. So go over to YouTube.com slash nerds and click subscribe. Please. Please. I don't want to be your annoying friend, but please. Now I'd like to dial back some of the annoyingness to thank Hover.com for supporting this episode of the Nerds Podcast. Uh, Hover's domain management that is simple. There's email tools. Uh, there's there are live tech support that if you are setting up your domain and you have a question, uh, you can call them Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. You actually get a live person not going to put you on hold. They also can get you premium domains. These are just commonly used words that might drive a lot of traffic to your site by virtue of the fact that you own, oh, I don't know, like dragons.com. So they will help you find those types of domains. They're going to cost you a little bit more, but it'll be worth it as you bask in the glory of your accelerated traffic rate. But if you need a standard, non-premium domain, we have an offer code for you for Hover.com. Use the offer code NERDIST when you go to NERDIST.Hover.com. Get 10% off your non-premium domain. They can't, uh, they can't discount premium domains. I'm sorry. But you will not care because of the level of service you will get from Hover.com. Who I thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, which is uh, Thomas Jane, who... I've been a fan of, I mean, fucking Deep Blue Sea. That is a movie that every time it's on cable, I watch the shit out of that movie if it just comes on. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this movie. Do you like Deep Blue Sea? Yeah, it's a really good movie. Fucking amazing. Yeah, Thomas Jane is great. And I loved Hung, and yeah. uh, and that Punisher fan film that he made was awesome. Uh, he's got a Kickstarter going on right now for the uh, Bad Planet game. So if you go over to Kickstarter and search Bad Planet or Thomas Jane, uh, check it out. It's uh, uh, support support it, get it made. Thomas is, I, I mean, I didn't really know a lot about Thomas before this episode, but he really is a guy who just... He's, uh, you know, he has an idea, he wants to make it, so he just goes and makes it himself. You know, I mean, like, he really... The, the more kind of famous people that kind of adopt that as a model, I think the better our business is going to be. Like our stuff, you know, we're going to get cool stuff like the Phil Joanna directed Punisher uh, fan film that he made. They just made it because they just wanted to. You know, he played the Punisher years ago, maybe around 2004. Uh, and then 
you know, was kind of like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I want to, maybe I want to put a button on this or, or present Punisher in a way that it's just never really quite was presented. And so uh, I think he is an excellent example and an interesting guy. And uh, if you are a creator of any type, uh, he's a good guy that you should listen to because he'll just fucking make stuff. And that's exactly what you should do. So it was a, it was a blast hanging out with him. Uh, Thomas Jane on this episode of Nerdist Podcast, a number 241. He also brought a kitty with him. He came in with a little kitten on his shoulder and then the cat fell asleep on the soundboard which I was convinced it was going to hit the button and then the studio was going to just melt down. <laughs> but that never happened. The cat just curled up and, and just basked in the warmth of the of the electric glow of the soundboard. That's adorable. It was fucking adorable, Katie. That cat was fucking adorable. You can't see it, but it is referred to. You posted to. a picture on Instagram, I saw it. Oh, I did post a cat picture on the Instagram. Yes, I did. So it is on my Instagram, which is uh, Nerdist. Just, I'm just Nerdist on Instagram, just like most stuff. Episode number 241. Now entering Nerdist.com. I just have to put them on to make sure that everything sounds okay. Somebody should be wearing it. Someone should do something semi-professional, technical. Not going to be me. <laughs> Semi or actually professional. You guys do this thing together? Yeah, there's usually another guy, Jonah, who's not here right now because he had his wisdom teeth pulled out and uh, One a of... stitch popped and now he's bleeding everywhere and there's a cat walking towards me. Yes, Thomas Jane, we've already started recording. Oh, cool. Thomas Jane, you've brought the most adorable, it looks like a, a tiny leopard kitten. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's packs a punch too. She's really vicious. <laughs> how uh, how old is it? She's about um, two and a half months old. Oh wow! And it's she's a savanna, so she's bred with an African serval. Oh jeez! She's much more sort of predatory than a yeah, yeah. cat. Um, she's also a lot smarter. And I've been carrying her around with me since she's a baby. So she's she loves riding in the car and. She loves hanging out in new places. She can tell. She's looking for something. She's enjoying herself. Now I feel like the podcast is forever ruined because no one else is going to bring a kitten, and that's just going to make me upset. Right. Every time someone comes in, I'm like, "Where? where's... It's only going downhill from here. Where is your cat? You can keep your own cat, I guess. Yeah, but I... I you but it's kitten required. No. Kitten required, please. No. That's going like, to come. That's like having a pool table in your house. Then it takes all the fun out of yeah. going to play pool. Then there's a kitten that just appears, yeah. and then it just makes everything yeah, a million times better. Yeah, we got a pool table, and it was fun for about a month and a half. And then... And then it became a large table to put stuff on. Yep. Yeah. Put rings. Let's <laughs> get in the rings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's really it's great to have you on. I mean, I've 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 been a big fan of yours for a long time. Uh, I mean, I Deep Blue Sea, oh, amazing, God, so good. Still, when it comes on, I watch the shit out of it. It was great. And when we premiered it in New York, uh, I don't think Warner Brothers really understood that they had a, a, a good movie on their hands, because they only allotted a certain amount, and not very much for advertising. But then we premiered it in New York, and the part when Sam Jackson gets eaten, <laughs> the, you could not hear the screen for at least four minutes. Wow. You couldn't hear what was going on because everybody was freaked 
freaking the hell out. They were screaming and clapping and laughing and talking. They couldn't get over the fact that Samuel Jackson it's got gotta be halfway the through the film. Best movie death. Warner Brothers rushed to try to get more advertising, you know, to try to, but it was too late. And the movie opened up against Blair Witch. Oh, oh yeah. Which, which was filmed in my backyard. <laughs> Literally. Really? Literally uh, in the backwoods of Maryland where I used to go play as a kid. Wow. That's, that's where the, the movie was. So it really, it was a stab to the heart. Or oh, it was. But so you we, know what? We opened number two. Um, but people still talk. About Still talk about Deep Blue Sea. I mean, well, I tell you, they they play they play at a Deep Blue Sea a hell of a lot more than they do the Blair Witch. <laughs> That's true. Well, because Blair Witch is one of those like once you see Blair Witch once, you're like, nah, okay, I get it. And now since everyone has ripped off the found footage yeah. format, it just it's sort of it's it was sort of never tired. Good to begin with. <laughs> I I saw it. I saw it because I saw it the way that you should that you were supposed to see the movie, which is it was way before the movie came out, and someone just handed me an unmarked VHS tape, and they just said, "Watch this." Right. Oh, and cool. it was it was fun right. that way because yeah. I didn't I'd never seen anything like that before. Right, right. right. But then right. actually, once all the hype came along, they were like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah, when yeah. I went and saw it in the theater, a man stood up. Turned out to be a film director, but he stood up in the in the like the third row of the theater and turned around halfway through the film and said, "This is shit." <laughs> And he had an English accent. This is shit. <laughs> Complete shit. That was Peter Jackson. That was Peter Jackson. Yeah. yeah. That is fantastic. That made, made it memorable for me. <laughs> I don't remember the movie. My favorite part about the Blair Witch Project was when the Englishman stood up and sold everyone the movie was a piece of shit. You want to come here? Here you go. Lap? No? No? All right. You, you have an open invitation to jump on my lap. Um... Congratulations on Dirty oh, thanks, Laundry. Chris. Oh, wait, that's oh. for the cat? Uh, for you, too. You oh, know what? Let's sweet. be fair. Let's be equitable. Uh, congratulations on Dirty Laundry. It was... Let's see if I got any dollar bills. Did you... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a lap dance. It's just I just cuddle him like a giant toddler and I just stroke his hair. Until well, I come. Until... Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's, yeah. That's you're, a lap you, dance. You, you guys right? hear about this girl that opened a cuddling business? What? I did hear about that, actually. Yeah, I think we covered it on Attack of the Show. cuddler. She's yeah, the it's... only one. That's 60, a kind of genius cute, idea. Yeah, 60 bucks an hour, I she's think. Like, this is, I saw an interview. She's like, this is not about sex. <laughs> okay, honey, that's, that's cool. But <laughs> it's just about cuddling. Do you know what the, the, the I think the problem she's going to face is dudes are going to get super emotionally attached. Well, I was like, every time I cuddle, I always get a hard on. Yeah. Right? That, so that we got to do with that. that work. Yeah, seriously. You know, she have to bring like a pad or a pillow. <laughs> She's like, "This is my cuddling pillow. I place it on my ass, so you can't." <laughs> There's a barrier. So, yeah. She should make a deal with the Fleshlight Corporation. Who doesn't? Who? Everyone should make a deal with the Fleshlight Corporation. <laughs> Or partner up with a prostitute and uh, say, "I will prep them, and, and then, then you you them. finish the job, then you kind of wrap it up. You you sort of be the dismount, <laughs> That'd be cool. so to speak, like <laughs> or the mount. Right, when you get up, you go okay, and then the door opens, yeah. and then there then this Janine walks in, <laughs> Garofalo, hey. like I'm your ride. <laughs> hey, fuck me." Uh, dirt, uh, I, 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 dirt, Dirty Laundry, which premiered at uh, at Comic Con recently, which was the Punisher fan film that you made, it's fucking awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Phil Juano, who directed State of Grace, not only State of Grace, but Final one of the most analysis. influential mm. '80s Three movies. O'clock Three o'clock high. 
fucking phenomenal yeah, movie. movie. Which we've talked about on this podcast before. I think <laughs> film nerds know about it. Yeah. But when people talk about 80s comedies, I think some people... But that movie yeah. completely redefined how that we, style of film... We do our job. We mention it like every fourth podcast. We say three <laughs> it's o'clock a fucking high. great movie. When I... When I because I didn't when I first saw when I first saw it I didn't realize that Phil Phil had directed it I was like wow that looked fucking amazing and then I saw his name like of course of yeah. course Phil Giovanni how yeah. did you guys get how did you guys get hooked up for then I had this the idea to do this uh, thing um, about a year ago or actually a little bit more than that but I decided to make it a reality um, about a year ago and the uh, beauty of you know, dreaming about shit is you can sort of come up with any scenario you want. Mm -hmm. And I had the time and I said, well, you know, if I was going to do this, who would I, who would, who would be great to direct uh, uh, the kind of movie that I, I want to see the kind of, well, the way that I'd like to see Frank Castle portrayed on film and the movie that I always kind of wanted to make and wanted to see, um, and uh, Phil Joanu's name was at the top of my list because of State of Grace. Um, the, you know, State of Grace is a hard-hitting, urban, gritty action drama. And those movies uh, have fallen by the wayside, man. And Why do you think that depressing. is? Well, uh, the short answer is money. Um, studios decided that these movies that they made for 20 million bucks or 30 million bucks had a profit margin. Um, they were profitable, mm -hmm. but they weren't as profitable as the $100 million big budget action film. So when the studios have all been bought up by these major corporations, it was oh. a very simple executive decision. Hey, if we take you know these like five or six 30, 20, 30 million dollar movies, cut them all out, take that money and just make one big Spider-Man, yeah. then our profit margin, the, the money that we get back for that $200 million, yeah. would have made six or seven other movies. Uh, the profit margin that we get back is phenomenally more based on the, ab the merchandising, the DVD, the pay-per-view, sure. and all that crap. So, so it's a business decision, uh, and we find that this happens more and more in Hollywood. So the guys who, man, I feel sorry for, for kids today, you know, I really do, uh, because their attention span is waning, so believe it or not, it's hard for them to sit through movies like The Godfather. Oh, of course, yeah. 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 So, and, uh, you know, and then even movies like Taxi Driver, mm -hmm. you know, or... or, or uh, Rolling Thunder. Right. Um, well, these these movies just don't move fast enough. And and the problem is is that so that all that great drama, like how to really build a fantastic action drama story. You know, like you got even with the fir with First Blood, Rambo. Right, yeah. right. Um has kind of fallen by the wayside and the modern film techniques that people use and are used to today are all employed in the big $200 million movies. So a modern movie that tells a story like Death Wish yeah. or uh, any Sidney, Sidney Lumet film um, has, has uh, well, we just don't have it. Sure. <laughs> Do you think some it of that really exist? And and then you know, and, and the problem is that it does. It takes a few of those to come out with a gem. You know, yeah. yeah. It's not 
you know, you look back at the 70s and you see those handful of movies and you go, oh, the 70s were awesome. But the fact is that for every, you know, great film, for every Rolling Thunder, there's 20 or 30 <laughs> really <laughs> crappy ones that nobody remembers. Right? 20 or 30 death races. That's, that's, yeah, that's the industry, you know. That's, that's, that's making movies. Right? But I wonder but, if some of that is, is part of... I, I wonder if some of the responsibility falls onto the shoulders of the consumers who, if they see a movie like that and they see a trailer for it, they go, eh, I don't need to see that in the theater. I'll just wait till it, uh, I can get it on Netflix or, you know, yeah, if I can... It's a little bit of a thing. The consumers basically, you know, they, they, they pick whatever their choice... You know, they pick from the choices that they have, right? So every now and then... A movie comes out, you know, but that's just not enough. It's not enough for, for you know, you know. And then there's the diehard guys that they're going to China and Korea, and I mean, they're watching all the movies that come out. And there's some great, fantastic films, and they every now and then one gets picked up and remade by Hollywood, you know, um, like Old Boy. Yeah. But but for these kind of movies, the industry is just gone. And you're right, it is a consumer. Hollywood will make anything. Sure. You know, we can't really blame Hollywood. If they, you know, if we watched cat shit dry, uh, <laughs> you know, that was thrown against the glass wall and somebody and everybody went to see it, then there would be six or seven cat shit drying on a glass really wall. Really great, really big fast. budget, like. Yeah, huge. Guillermo like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like cat shit too, actually, more than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel, I really feel like they lost it in the trilogy. They tried to get too many different pieces of shit in it once. Well, and it was cat just shit like, too, uh, parentheses diarrhea, was great. Right. That's when they really hit their stride. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the third one, they brought in a love interest, and it was uh, just like, Urine was involved. Yeah, I just was not keep having it. Keep it simple. But I always wonder if people talk about, like, <clears throat> it's always interesting how the third movie in, in you know, in, in a lot of trilogies, uh, it's just like, oh, they've, you know, they've been with this these films for, like, 10 or 11 years, and how do you manage to... The whole like we have to make one, two, three of a movie. Right. It's like how do you keep well, yeah, upping not, the stakes? It's not. It's not profitable unless it's franchisable, and that's another reason why these movies, uh, you know, don't aren't getting made. Is because if you don't have a franchisable character, then then how are we going to make any money off this? And that so that kind of thinking, I think, is ready is is ripe to be destroyed. And what I think is that. A lot like the 70s when you had Easy Rider come out and, and blow everybody away by be, being a smash hit. Um, the reason why that happened is because the studios had lost the touch with the, the pulse of what kids wanted to see. They were putting out musicals. Sure. If you look at the box office at the time, they were putting out all these weird-ass Well, at the end of the 70s, yeah, because you had Grease, which was so it. huge. And then so everyone right. started making all these crazy... Right. And then, yeah, and so, then in the 80s. But then what happened was an explosion of kind of a, of this renegade and independent auteur filmmaker was born. Um, and you had uh, lower budgets and independent movies, uh, independent producers. But what I think is happening now is that the Internet is becoming that new Wild West. Mm -hmm. That people with passion and a story to tell, which is what these guys were you know um uh, are fine are going to find a way in any way shape or form to get that out there and that's kind of what the idea was with with dirty laundry you know it's like well i want this is what i want to see and i'm not seeing it 
So why, why don't why don't we just do it? Yeah, you know. And uh, thank God, you know. I mean, Phil Phil was kind of the perfect storm because not only was he the perfect director to do it, um, and and such a tremendously passionate guy, he uh, has a he does a lot of commercials and he's he's a top notch commercial director and he's got this crew that he works with over and over again. And he, he said, look, guys, we're shooting this thing on the weekend. We don't have any money. We, we have enough money to rent the location and to feed people. Whoever shows up, we'll buy him Philippe's French dip. So, oh, good move. So come on down if you can. If you Double can, dip. No, big, no big deal. And we expected like 10 or 15 people to show up. 75 people showed up. Whoa. The whole crew. Oh, that's a lot more sandwiches than you thought yeah. you were going <laughs> to I was like, I don't know, guys. Maybe the Philippe's. Uh... Could you guys uh, split the, you have a half. Split a sandwich. Uh, who likes open face? Uh, Oh, lamb, fuck. right? Just don't, don't order lamb. <laughs> oh, God, so, I'm just thinking about Philippe. So, uh, you know, and that's a, that's that's because of Phil, because he's got so much passion, and the, the crew just loves this guy so much. And we had Andy Chang show up, who works works with, um, you know, the the crazy uh, crazy. crazy. Okay, I'm listening. Which one, crazy? Michael Bay? No, no. <laughs> uh, Sybil. No, the action dude, the the the, the John karate Rue? chop guy. Oh, Jackie Chan. Jackie. Chan. Oh, Jackie Chan. Of course, karate Jackie chop Chan. Guy. Karate That's chop a guy. Way to describe Jackie Chan. <laughs> no, no, it was perfect because I got it immediately. You so, did get it. Andy Chang, Andy Chang works with a karate chop guy and Jackie Chan. And, uh, and all, you know, karate chop. Karate chop is a great film, by the way. I think we should make that a movie. Karate chop guy. Pat Romano, who's a you know top notch stunt dude, he showed up, and all his guys showed up, and and you know fit, but. I mean, Phil, it was all about passion. The reason it turned out so good is because everybody loved what they were doing, you know? Phil, Phil coor- coordinated the whole fight scene in his bedroom the night before. Oh, my God. He, you know, and, and his wife's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm beating eight guys up with a bottle of Jack. Well, uh, that's that's the whole... I think that is the lifeblood of what contemporary digital culture is all about. It's exactly what you said. People is just going, oh, you know, actually, we do have the technology to just go make the stuff we want to see, so why are we not doing it? And I think it's important for people like you who are well, established in the business to let people let people know, like, this is an okay thing to do. Damn fucking straight. <laughs> damn straight, man. Because, you know, what it comes down to is, is, again, we're inundated with this consumerism in our culture, and what we fucking forget is that this shit is fun. Yeah, you know, and we're it's supposed and it's, to be. There's passion behind it, you know. It's 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 somehow it's like even though we know it's not true, if we're told over and over again that the that the point of existence is to consume shit and to make money and to consume more shit, then sooner or later you're just gonna start believing it, you know. And the fact is that that's not the f- fucking point, right? At all. <laughs> wait a second. Wait. A, what is the point? No, we'll get to that. In a minute. <laughs> the point is to you know the point is to pick things that are fun and work with people that you like and just make fun stuff and that's where the best stuff comes from because um, there's no like you're not looking at marketing charts you're not like well how do we hit this you know you're not everything doesn't get kind of mushed into this bland how vanilla do we hit, pulp hit this demographic that's it's it's just like you wanted to make a punisher curse. fan film cuz you're a huge frank castle fan you played the punisher um uh, did, uh yeah i just felt like i had a niche that i hadn't scratched you know i i just everything that i'd learned about the character uh, and everything that turned me on about the world of Frank Castle was just never been on put on film, you know, and it really bummed me out. 
So I really just felt like, you know, obviously they've destroyed the franchises. This will never be a film. So, but I'm, I just want to see, I just wanted to give people something to point to. I I talked about Frank Castle on film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's, that's why we did it, you know? And, And at the same time I was reading scripts and one of the best scripts that I, really have ever read it was written by this guy named chad st john he wrote the script called motor city that the hughes brothers are doing and i called him up and we sat down and we we had a four-hour lunch at some at some place on la brea and and uh he was you know he, he was just like these guys just kind of appeared in my life and i got them all together yeah um i was also had a meeting with this guy adi shankar uh, over at 1984 and he seemed like a man of the cloth so i put them all together and <laughs> before you know it everybody said yes and then but it was really chad i mean if he hadn't you know people say shit and they're like wouldn't it be cool yeah we just fucking on a weekend i'll get my crew yeah we'll fucking shoot it what the fuck right we put it on youtube yeah and you know and then you go about your day and then you you know you call your agent and you're like dude where, am I going? Am I doing this job or not? I mean, come on, man. If they're not going to pay me, I'm not going to show up. And then, and nothing happens. It's you know, months go by, and and you forget about it. And you're like, what was that thing when you're drunk at a party? I almost did that. Well, mm-hmm. that's why. That's yeah, why I was going to do that, man. I was going to like. That's just, why the technology is so important because. You don't, it's not like, well, we have to go rent a 35 millimeter camera and then we have to, you know, like, you can just go, fuck, gra- grab the camera. Let's just run out back. Let's just fucking shoot this right now. In a way. I mean, the in other, a well, way, pal. I think the but, big know, thing is. On the other is, hand, there's a lot of shit like that on yeah. YouTube. And, you know, you can tell. <laughs> so what's going to happen now? Is it, was it just, this is just sort of a one-time thing? It's just like, we're done with it? Or, or were, were you hoping that this would spawn a, a, a rebooted Punisher film. I hear those Marvel folks are making a lot of movies lately. They're doing all right. <laughs> They're doing all right with their A characters, but the Marvel Max stuff has has always let them down. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're Mar- Marvel is the Marvel universe, sure. and then there's the, the Marvel Dark Horse Marvel yeah. Max universe, mm-hmm. right? And that's where you have your Ghost Rider, uh, your Punisher, uh, your uh, Deadpool, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure where, where he fits in. But... Uh, and that stuff has always been been a, a letdown for Marvel. So I don't I don't see them. You know they yeah you know everything comes around right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. I never saw them in a world where all this kind of stuff made sense. Then yeah, you could probably uh, get a a reboot going. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I just made this for the fans. I without any expectation of this ever being a film, you know, and I and that's why I did it. Yeah, because I just I wanted to make sure that we had a little piece of, uh, you know, an authentic Frank Frank Castle on screen before before the world ends in December uh, this twenty twelve. Right, so, yeah, December twenty first. There's not a lot of time left. <laughs> you got in just under the wire. Just under the wire, man. You know, not that anybody's going to care because <laughs> nobody's going to be alive to say, "Remember yeah. when they did that?" No. Yeah, I haven't even bothered putting anything on my iCal past right. then. It's just all just all empty. So, but you know, but I do think that what's fun is that we get to open up the possibilities um, and. We're seeing an audience, uh, you know, if anything, the short reaffirms that there is an audience mm-hmm. for hard R material that's treated seriously. 
Um, I think that there's a huge audience for that. I think that, um, you know, any time when uh, people feel disenfranchised, when the man is coming down on them and nobody's got any money and they feel powerless, that these kind of characters resonate. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody who says, fuck you. And that, that really resonates. So, uh, you know, if anything, we've proven that. Um, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love somebody to dust off some old Walter Hill script and say, Oh, yeah. You guys should, you guys should do this, you know? That's, they that's might as well remake Falling Down. Perfect world. That's, that, that could happen. <laughs> you might be the guy to do that. It's possible. I mean, if you, if, you, if you start, I mean, you started a, you have a, you have a comic imprint. I, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, that I've, again, you know, I just didn't see any of the comics that I like to read on the shelves. It, it was all just garbage. Not all of it. There's, in the underground stuff is amazing, and then the independent stuff is great. Um, and I'll always be a fan of Charles Burns and, and uh, Robert Crumb and all these, <laughs> all the Klaus. great Daniel Klaus yeah. and all the great guys uh, that, that I love, you know, uh, corn-fed comics. Mm. Uh, um, but uh, I wasn't seeing the science fiction stuff that inspired me as a kid. So I started Raw Studios, and we created Bad Planet, which mm -hmm. is this epic sci-fi um, huge story, which I'm very proud of. We're halfway through it. And then we're working on the second half now. I got Bruce Jones, who actually was my mm -hmm. inspiration for Bad Planet, who created comics like Alien Worlds and Twisted Tales and... He did a little run on the Hulk. It's you know he's got a great career, but it, my favorite stuff of his has always been his short stories that were of course inspired by the old EC comics by Al Feldstein and 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 uh, Bill Gaines. So so I created my my dream science fiction comics, and I'm very very proud of Bad Planet, and we're we're working on part two right now. Uh, part one is issues one through six are, are collected and for sale on my website at rawstudios.com. And we also resolicited it. So you should see it in comic book shops this fall too. Nice. Um, and then, uh, and then we're, I'm slowly plotting away at, at getting uh, part two going, you know, but again, I don't have a production schedule, so I can take as much time as I want. I can hire artists that yeah. normally wouldn't do comics right. um, because they make their living in advertising or other places, and I can give them, you know, a year to work on a story and uh, and put it out when it's great because once it's out, nobody remembers, you know, you know that thing. How long it took? Too long <laughs> to make. Uh, once it's out, it's out. And this collected out volume took too long to assemble. <laughs> well, we, you know, our little comedy theater is in the back of Meltdown Comics. So if we, if you ever want to do like when when it when stuff comes out, if you want to do launch parties or whatever, we'll totally set that shit up for you. Yeah, like that'd be, badass, uh, that'd, that'd be really fun. I have a launch party for Dark Country, my graphic novel. Yeah, that's. Uh, out it's out in diamond now and so it should be hitting stores in the fall let's do a launch party that would yeah. be that'd be awesome we could totally do that in, in stores in september so yeah consider it done we man. can I absolutely do that meltdown meltdown yeah. meltdown's fun it's been gaston's been amazing stuff there I yeah love they do meltdown i love golden apple but i, I really i really love that meltdown they've got my kind of stuff in there yeah gaston cultivates quite a collection of yeah, good, the fucking good guy's stuff. on it. Yeah. Kevin Eastman's little yeah, thing yeah, Kevin Eastman's little beautiful. Little is that yeah. still up? No, no, no. Yeah, he moved it to the because uh, that Gaston took over that side space to be sort of like a pop up shop, right. and so Kevin had it for a while with all his turtle stuff, 
and uh, which was all the heavy metal stuff. And all the heavy metal stuff too. Uh, it's going to be Dave Clock's print shop. Oh, it is. Yeah. Cool. So it's going to be screens to look. We like have the same printing. case, but yours is white. Yeah, I feel like mine's uh, good and yours is evil. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Is that or how you see things? You're an Imperial Guard and I'm a Stormtrooper. That's what it is. I like to see it that way. My, my iPhone wants to fuck your iPhone. Let's do it. Oh, mine's the cuddler. Here, let me prep your phone. Let me get your, let me get you a phone boner, and then uh, your phone can take care of it. I just want to cuddle. Actually, you know that's, that's kind of how it works. I'm the cuddler, and then Matt just fucks people. Uh, Matt just comes in and fucking finishes them off. I just kind of stroke them. I tell them it's going to be okay, and they get this weird emotional boner, and then Matt's like, let's fucking let's get, yep. let's get this going. Then they deal with my weird emotional boner. <laughs> but then who do you go to for fuck cuddles? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. I'll make a good serial killer, the cuddler. <laughs> the cuddler. <laughs> right? Oh, my spine. No, pull, pull in close. Uh, I love it. I mean, you know, what's it, what, what's... What is interesting to me about you is that, you know, it, so many people know you like, you know, like, oh, you're this, you're the, you're, a, you do comedy and you like hung was great. And you're the super attractive, like handsome leading man type, but in you, Not in here. and you played yourself in Arrested Development, in you beats the heart of a nerd. <laughs> totally. I fucking, I, that's. Yeah. No, I mean, I grew up in uh, Maryland in the thing that really changed my life was, you know, I grew up in kind of the suburbs and it was incredibly boring with nothing to do and it was horrible. <laughs> and, uh, but the thing that changed my, my life was Barbarian Books in Bethesda, Maryland, which by the way, I think is still there. I was talking to somebody doing an interview from a guy in Maryland and he said, I was just, he said he was just in there like four months ago. So oh, wow. I believe Barbarian Books is still there in Maryland. It's, uh, it's you know it's one of those classic musty um, bookstores that has it's so crammed with stuff you have to turn sideways to get down the aisle. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know boxes and just he doesn't even know what he's got in there. And of course I used to find you know uh, comic books in there that were that were like really old and and probably worth like ten bucks, but I pay like a buck. Yeah. Be like I just got this comic book. <laughs> you know, who knows what this is worth? It was stuff like you could find really neat stuff. All the pulp novels, you know, all, all the old uh, Frazetta novels were all in there, and and uh, all the creepies and eeries and all the EC reprints, and and then he also had original comics up in the front too at the time. I don't know what he's got in there now, but I but that's where I bought my first original EC comic books, which I can still remember the smell and of those books and the way they felt and just the feeling that they used to give me, which was this incredible nostalgic thing. What I wasn't even born yet, so I don't know what I'm nostalgic about, but <laughs> there it is, and it's like the art and the just it was like magic. They were fucking magical. I like that. If that store is still there, it's probably even harder to move through right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's a, lot, there's a handful of those places. Oh, and by the way, like, um, the store, the guy who worked in the store was a hunchback. Uh-huh. So, oh, wow. I'm, I mean, I, you know, I just think, I just find that to be just fantastic. That he's you know, the, that they'd run the bookstore. Yeah, appropriate. It's, it's very appropriate. It was wonderful. You know? <laughs> and it was like, there was, that was it. There's no other place in the world that can beat Barbarian Books for as far as just that real old-fashioned nostalgic pulpy novels. You know, Robert E. Howard. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, all, that, all that wonderful, wonderful stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the old shadow pulps and I don't know. All that stuff's fantastic, and and I and I wish that there was a uh, uh, color. Col 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 what's the word? I wish there was something like it, similar. 
you know, uh, today. I wish there was like more of that stuff interpreted in today's oh, right. world. We see we've lost the kind of hard boiled corollary. Corollary, thank right? you. Right, that's the word we were yeah, looking for. No sure. Corollary <laughs> films, you know. There's there's books. There's like Max Allen Collins who writes. Great well, maybe stuff it's time. Maybe, maybe maybe you know. I think I think if if you if you're noticing that there's this hole in the industry, yeah. which for whatever reason, through you know like too much market research or whatever, and they're right. they're going in the wrong direction, maybe it's time for that shit to come back around. Hell. To the yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, interesting. It's, it's you know, and I and I I was curious, you know, as far as what what dirty laundry would do, and it it seems to me that there are like-minded people out there. I think it's a very simple formula, which is if you make a cool thing that comes from a real place, people will dig it. Yeah, but I'm talking about like. You know, yes, cool, but what's that? That's like Ghostbusters was cool. Yes, it was. I mean, cool in the sense that it. You know, it, it's it's <laughs> there's there's a certain kind. There's like a hard boiled kind of pulpy feeling that I get when I read, you know, books like The Executioner, which yeah. the Punisher was based on or stolen from. Um, Borrowed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your turn later. <laughs> um, so that that I you know that I, I that turns me on, and uh, and I also think that I'm pretty good at, at, at playing those kind of characters. But you know I'll be damned if I could find any yeah. play. I mean I love this movie I did called Stander. Um, it, it was right up my alley, and but find another one. You know yeah. I haven't read another script like that since I did it. Maybe maybe this means you're going to have to start making these films yourself. You might have well, to shoulder the responsibility. If nobody else does, it's going to be me, and it probably will be me. But that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to direct a western. Uh, I'm going to do it in the fall. We might push it to the spring. We really oh, this is definitely happening. It's definitely yeah. Our money is cool. Our ship has come in on this western. It's called A Magnificent Death from a Shattered Hand. Oh uh, wow! Good title. And uh, it's a fantastic script. Um, I got Nick Nolte Whoa. to star in it. The cat's got one of the buttons off the board. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to make That's sure. bottle cap. No, no. It's in her mouth. Oh. oh. oh yeah. Just make Come sure here. she doesn't choke her. She's Come double, here. She's, she's double <laughs> dipping. She, put, she pulled one the of the knobs cap. off the board. Yeah, she's got a knob in her mouth. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, come on. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's know, a family show. Yeah. She's, you know, all right. She's she's it's not in her mouth. Oh, now it's in her mouth. <laughs> she's a teenager. She can have a knob in her mouth. <laughs> she lost it. She yeah, lost okay. it. She's oh, bad. good. Um, she's warming up. Now she's going to tear the place apart. Listen, I if, if the place could have an adorable destruction at the hands of that cat, I am all for it. <laughs> I don't own this studio. I don't care. Um, no, so your Western, you got Nick Nolte in the Western? Yeah, he's starring in it, and we've, we're casting the rest of it now. Jeremy Irons is going to try to come in. And, oh, my oh, God. And, and For a couple of days. And we're going to get a great, great cast together because it's, it's one of those scripts that just kind of wrote itself. Can, and, uh, listen, I, listen I, don't, I don't want to impose, but can I just be, no. I just want to, here's what I want. No. I've always wanted to be a guy in the Western that when someone comes in, he's one of the guys that clears out of the bar. Right. We don't have a bar. <laughs> God damn it. In the script. How about a bar? <laughs> a bar with a peony. Nope. No bar. All right. All right. Well, you can think about it. Tree. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> 
So after I do that, and uh, we make a great film out of that, and we will, uh, then I'm going to do something urban, you know. I don't know. What's the word for this kind of stuff? I, I call it, like, hard-boiled pulp. But, yeah. But there's got, I think there's a better way to describe it. You know, but it's all those great crime novels. Right. That true, were like, like by Harry Whittington and Donald Westlake. Like the true crime, you know, true tri- yeah, grit. crime stuff. Grit. Was, James you know, Elroy. It's just that wonderful. It's those uh, movies by Frances, Francisco DeLeo. Yeah. Like Caliber 9 and uh, the Italian Connection. Right. French Connection. Italian, Italian job. Connection. Is there Italian? There's an Italian connection. I don't even know about this. It's a great movie. It's great. Is it? And and they and they and they were inspired by Chandler and mm-hmm. you know, all those great old pulpy guys. The Italians were when they made that stuff. So, so that's kind of the genesis, I guess. Is yeah. It's uh, it all kind of comes back to Mickey Spillane and yeah. and Chandler and and all that. And then it kind of the way it evolved in the '60s, though, you know, and it got it got really lean and pulpy. And, Urban and just oh, it was just just beautiful, you know. And the, and they weren't afraid to like beat the crap out of, out of a girl, <laughs> you know. Just slap her around. There's a there's a scene in the what is it uh, the Italian connection. They slapped this girl around for like four minutes. <laughs> I mean, you're just like wow. They knock her and all over the apartment, all four walls, on the bed, on the floor. They're just knocking. The I uh, I improvised that in the film. <laughs> oh wow, there was nothing in the script. Uh, anyway, not not that I'm promoting knocking the crap out of women. I just. I mean that you know they didn't have to be politically correct or appeal to us to try to every goddamn demographic on the planet. It's disenfranchising, okay? Mm-hmm. It's disenfranchising as a man. I can't, I can't even fucking walk down the street with a cigarette in my mouth. Not that I smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I do. But, <laughs> Matt, Matt smokes clothes. Great. I can't. I can't have a cigar. If I have a cigar over on Wilshire, I'll have everybody coming over me telling me I got. Well, can't you put that out? Right. And it's it's just it's depressing. <laughs> well, I. I'm excited that you are kind of taking this on, that you're going to take this on and kind of make the films that you want to see. It's very, it's very like, it's very digital culture to, I think taking that mindset into traditional media is very important right now because there's this whole layer of films, like you said, because they're focusing on the blockbusters, there's this whole, there's this, it's all like top down, it's all top down shit. Well, so there's this my, whole other area my, that's not being serviced. Dream. I'll, I'll, I'll lay this out for you real quick. Um, there's a, a website online where it's, I forget what it's called, but if, if you want to see a band, yeah. you log on to this website and you say, I live in Spokane, Washington. Oh, it's de- demanded or I, something like that. Yeah. It's one of those. There's a, there's probably more than one, but, but uh, and you if you and if if you get enough hits for a particular band in a sta- in a city, then that band will go and play in your sure. city. And it's a fin- brilliant way yeah. of designing a tour schedule. You know, they go where their fans are. Yeah. And imagine if we did that with a movie. You know, if we said, all right, we've got this type of movie starring these guys, and if you want to see it, if you're there, you know, hit the button. Okay, so then, you know, we've got, like, there's a midnight show on Saturday night. Yeah. So you fill up the theater, you beam the, the uh, you don't run a print over there, you right. beam it in from satellite, which a lot of theaters have that now. Yeah. They can, they can beam the, 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 the movie right into right where and when you want it, wherever you want it. And you could travel around like that. You know, you could, I could get a, an old silver 
you know, what are those called? Those big old trailers that are still oh, airstreams. The Airstreams. Yeah, I could get a big old Airstream and just make a national tour driving around. And we can play it in, you know, uh, drive-ins yeah. or, you know, downtown against the side of a wall. Now, that would be amazing. That would be fucking amazing. If, if it wasn't even like a movie theater thing, if just one summer you took a movie you made and put it in an Airstream, drove it around and just projected it a bunch of sh- uh, up yeah. against shit and then just invited people to come out and bring their own food. What a fun experience yeah. that would be. That's exactly what I want to do. And you're right. Like, you know, in some towns you'd have to do it in like the local theater, but in other towns you could do it up against the side of a of a building, you know, or you could, yeah. you could put up your own, you know, an old drive-in somewhere. You could really improvise in a parking lot. You could hang a giant, you know, you know, or maybe like a, a an old billboard that's not being used, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. inject a movie on there. That would be fun. But everybody would know it was coming from the, uh, yeah, from the, you know, from the Twitter and the websites and all that crap now. Yeah, I just drove across country, and there are a lot of, in in most towns that you hit along the way, half of the towns are just shut down, like abandoned businesses and empty buildings, and you know, I think it'd be a fun, I think it'd be a fun use of that. Jesus. It's pretty, where, where it's pretty crazy. Drive, drove from L.A. to Memphis wow. on the sort of northerly route, which I think was the I-70, and then the southern route back, the I-40, all the way across. So, you know, as it hit, like, uh, you know, Arkansas and Amarillo, Texas, and, yeah. you know, wow. back yeah, through. I've done it a few times. It's, uh, it's always enlightening. But it's so fun. Everything was, was kind of... Most, most small towns, like, like most towns, there, there's this sort of, um, there's a sort of, like, standard kind of cookie-cutter town that you know obviously around the industrial revolution sprung up where you have most of the towns have a main street which is just a main drag of two-story buildings that seem like early 1900s and then a little bit of residential stuff kind of around those those streets and in most of those towns like half the buildings are just empty wow what's this cough button there you go just shut you off for a sec so you can cough i didn't cough no but then see but if you do no one will hear you that's right. Oh. It protects Except for the bleed through on my mic. <laughs> <laughs> so Raw is Raw Studios is you and it's Tim Bradstreet, right? Yeah. Is, is Steve Niles involved at all? Yeah, Steve was with us in the very beginning, and he kind of taught me how to write comic books, and he helped me uh, plot out Bad Planet. Uh, he was incredibly helpful. He's a terrific guy, um, you know. But he's also a very busy guy. So Steve is is you know off running. Uh, his own show, and he does very well at it. And um, Raw Studios, we bring on, you know, we're working with a guy named Mike Carey right now on a script called The Lycan, which is kind of like the movie Alien, but it's set in a 17th century castle instead of aliens. It's a (laughs) werewolf. Oh, yeah. Um, And then uh, Mike's doing a great job with an artist named Sean O'Connor. Um, and then we're working on a reboot of Alien Worlds too with Bruce Jones. Oh, that's wow, great! Cool. Yeah, we got we got Corbin, we got <laughs> Bill Stout. Um, I'm trying to get Mark Schultz, but he's like, I just can't do it. He's like, I, I nah, more than one page. It's not a cover. <laughs> well, nah. Is it hard for you to go? I mean, maybe you maybe you choose not to anymore. But is it hard for you to go work on stuff that you're not? directly involved in in that way like can you still just go be an actor on oh, stuff yeah, and be okay with no, that it's getting a lot harder to do that i just did a movie uh, earlier in the year um and i and i you know like, like uh robert duvall said you know one for the art and one for the condo right well, i just did <laughs> one for the condo earlier in the year 
and um, it's 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 depressing. It's really yeah. bad, you know. It's just I don't know. It, it got, I've gotten to a certain point where I've directed a movie, and that was my film school. Dark, we called Dark Country. Dark Country, I, yeah. It was one of the very first 3D films in Hollywood, the digital 3D movies. And but that was my film school, and it was all taught me all. It, it was so enlightening. It was so fantastic, and it was so liberating when to get through that and go, I can do this all by myself. You know, <laughs> I mean, with my crew, yeah. there's no better way to learn. And my guys, and you know, but we can do this. We can we can run the show. We can. So I, you know, and that I had a terrific writer named Tab Murphy who also wrote the short story for Dark Country, which Thomas Ott, mm-hmm. a fantastic artist out of I think he's in Switzerland, um, uh, did, adapted for us. So Thomas did the sh- he he adapted the short story of Dark Country into the graphic novel. So it's not the movie; it's the it's the short story. Um, so it's different than the. Than the film in a lot of ways, but it, so it's his own interpretation of this story. And Thomas Ott tells his gra- he, graphic storytelling with no words. Mm-hmm. He does, uses a scratchboard technique. So he actually starts, instead of a white piece of paper, he starts with a black sheet that he buys special. And you can scratch away the black and revealing white underneath. And that's how he does all of his art, and it's beautiful. Um, if you guys have a website, we can throw up some examples. Or sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, he was he inspired me. He inspired the look of the film. So I called him up, and I, after I'd done the film, and I said, you know, you inspired this movie, and I was thinking it might be really cool if you interpreted the same short story that I interpreted. It would be like two different artists looking at the same, you know, a uh, piece of work and 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 drawing from there and doing their own thing with it so we've just finished that and you know it comes out in in shops in in september did you have did he see the your film he didn't he never saw it. that's perfect he actually had friends uh watch it for him yeah he said i don't want to look at it because i don't want it to like muddy the water right but you know is this thing any good i mean am i gonna (laughs) So, so he had friends uh, watch it for him, and, and the report back was, "Oh, yeah, this is right up your alley. Yeah, definitely, go for it." What did you learn? What was the what was the biggest thing that you learned going into this experience as a director and coming out on the other side? You know, it's uh, it's about the people that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest lesson that I learned. That the execution of an idea depends on a lot of other people understanding exactly what that idea is. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest lesson that I learned, you know? I storyboarded the whole film. I had all these great shots, and, and a lot of them are in the movie, but I had all these fantastic things in mind and, and, and a, a, a visual of what I wanted this thing to be. But if I, you know, if, my, if the DP that I hired doesn't quite grasp, you know, what what I'm talking about, then he's going to sort of bring his own thing. And sometimes that can be brilliant. Um, but, you know, but mo- and and I had a wonderful DP, but the the biggest thing for me was in the post-production when I'm dealing with people who are executing the ideas, you know, in the editing room, in the special effects uh, and all these guys, they have to be all on the same page, and that's my job as a director. I have to get 
all these different people, ideas, artists, and personalities all kind of moving in the same direction <laughs> and on the same boat. Yeah. And I think that your ability to do that determines how good of a director how or how well your your vision yeah. is going to be translated on screen. And you still have to have a, a good vision. <laughs> well, yeah. I think most people don't see that part of it. They just go, oh, it's a director. He kind of figures out like how to tell the story visually. But... But all the behind the behind the scenes stuff, I, to me, it sounds like an awful job because you are constantly. I feel I feel I feel like it's like putting four hamsters on a on a on a track and being like, no, no, come on, okay, no, you got to keep going, okay, come on, and then just the whole way you're trying to just keep them in line. Well, I like it, yeah, that's true. Only it's sixty hamsters, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and some of them have egos, yeah. and they're <laughs> yeah, some of them think they're cats. <laughs> You're a hamster. We're all hamsters. We're all hamsters, bro. On the we're all hamsters, bro. Just running away on the wheel of entertainment every fucking day. Um, how was your? I mean, you as the Punisher. What was your experience like with that? With that movie? With the the with the dirty laundry or just no the original the, the Punisher that you did. By the way, if anyone wants to see something hilarious, you have to watch the trailer for the 1989 Dolph Lundgren the Punisher, which already feels like 50 years old, even though it's just from 89. Is like coming this summer. See, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like kids today, they watch a movie from the 70s or the 80s and the 80s. And they're like, what the fuck is that? You know, even even the good ones. Yeah. And not not all kids. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there, there always will be, who who can appreciate this stuff. But, you know, on, on a, when you get an, out into the, the broad scheme of things, it's, it's you know. And that's why, they, that's why remaking stuff is viable. Sure. Yeah. It, don't you know, touch Jaws. Right. Thank just you. don't touch Jaws. No, absolutely. <laughs> if you're going to do a shark movie... Have it eat Samuel L. Jackson yeah. after That's an inspirational all. speech. It works out for all of us. <laughs> I, I was a huge fan of Hung, too, by the way. I, I genuinely enjoyed the shit out of that. Cause, and the guy... Yeah, who, great writing. Huh? The guy who played your, uh, your ex-wife's husband was also in The Punisher. Yeah. Right? What's it? Eddie... Um, what is his name? What are we talking about? From Hung. Oh, yeah. That's right. The guy I tortured. Yes, the guy, the yeah. guy you tortured with a popsicle. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's... There he is. Back for more. <laughs> Back for more on TV. He's, he was—he's a great guy. Terrific guy. Do you like doing? Do you like? Do you like comedy, or do you? Do you just prefer kind of? I love it all. I mean, I love storytelling. I love my favorite quote by an actor is Harrison Ford. He said, "I'm not. An, I really look at myself as an actor. I'm, I'm a storyteller, and that's that. I really took to heart when I heard that. Uh, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm not really necessarily an actor, or a director, or a comic book. Uh, writer or a producer, uh, I'm, I'm a storyteller. Is do you with television? I love stories. Do I, you? I love them all. I love comedies and you know I love musicals. Uh, I love horror movies. I love action. I love adventure. I love the weird French films and I love uh, the, in the realm of the senses the sexy Japanese movies. Mm -hmm. I love it all, man. Do you, did you like working in television? You know we didn't. It didn't. I don't know what. Probably that, didn't feel like television. It probably didn't feel like yeah, television because you're single is. camera. We, we didn't. You know, we shot. We were, I think, the last show on HBO to shoot on film. So we were shooting on film. Most of the crew had all come from film. Um, our schedule was very uh, 
you know, pretty relaxed as far as TV goes. I think we had eight days to shoot 30 minutes. Well, that's not bad. TV is pretty, pretty good. And sometimes it was nine. Um, so no, I, I haven't, I don't know the experience of, of, I know my ex-wife shot television Yeah, and that's 22 episodes. It's nine or 10 months out of the year <sighs> and you're doing 44 minutes in, uh, I think they give you seven days to do, or maybe it's seven or eight days. You're doing 45, 48 minutes yeah. or whatever the hell a, mm. a TV show is. And, uh, and that's insane. You know, and everybody goes crazy or they all lose their minds. And it's a very bonding experience, too. But, you know, she was in the hospital season two or three. Exhaustion. Real sure. exhaustion. Well, exhaustion. especially. And that's real. why Vincent D'Onofrio had to stop doing criminal intent for a whole season. <laughs> well, it's. Right. Because especially on that, especially on that schedule, they shoot like a film, but just year round. So you could work. You could work midnight right. to eight in the morning, and then you know, like a day and a half later, then it's like, oh, we need you at six a.m. and you know, yeah. But the whole experience just feels feels a little uh, choky. Feels a little choky. choky. That's what we're going with. Choky. Yeah. Okay. Choky? Yeah. No. Cho- no. Choky. Choky. Grabs you by the throat. It's good to have a television job. Sure. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, not that one. Sitcoms are the best schedule wise. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. just aren't a lot of sitcom jobs anymore because the sitcom medium is. Coming to a, a slow crawl. Just the standard four television's dying. Oh yeah, totally. So you know you can see where everything's going. I'm surprised it's taking us so fucking long, <laughs> but you can see where it's all going. The, the 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 internet and the the idea of stations, the idea of show times when you something comes on at a certain time on a certain day, all that shit's going by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know. And the the real release schedule is kind of what we did with Dark Country. I mean, uh, Dirty Laundry. You put it up, uh, you know, and you tell some people, and then that's out. And then it's spread out. like you a know? virus. Of course, there'll always be all the advertising, all that bullshit. Premiere dates don't really stuff. mean as much anymore. It's like because pe- people just want to really, watch when they want to watch. Party. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, I mean, there's excitement for things, and think people can't wait for certain stuff to come out. But that'll there'll always be that. There'll always be your core audience that. That needs to be there. And it's fun to wait in line for something. You know, I waited in line for Star Wars when I was a kid. Not the first one, the second one. And, um, you know, I, I stood in line for a couple hours, and it was awesome. It was so exciting. Yeah. And we need that. And we yeah. need a communal experience. So what I'm saying is that the Internet and, the, and all that stuff is all going to be amalgamated into one sort of thing. But here's, what, here's where things are going to get different. Right now, we're still trying to appeal to the widest audience, the lowest sure. common denominator. But what can happen here is that we can, you know, if you like gothic steampunk movies. I don't, but I'm listening. There'll be a whole section of people that, that, are, that will make uh, movies and material for that audience. Sure. And they'll have a budget based on, you know, what that audience sure. can support. Uh, and that so so we'll see a a a, a dividuation. A, a everything will become tailored kind sure. of. Sure. So you'll you'll ha- find your own channel. You'll create your. your it's kind of like picking your favorite channels on on cable. Yeah. You'll be able to create your own network of entertainment, and and there'll be people that are passionate about what they're doing, and they'll and you'll be able to get it. Yeah. You know, you'll you won't be able to say well they'll never make another punisher film because 
they killed the franchise and nobody will nobody would go and they're not going to but no they'll 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 say you know what there's uh 4 million people there's 5 million people here that that'll pay for that we've already we already know that yeah so we're going to make the movie and we're going to base it on on that i always wanted to try an experiment where we pre-sell tickets oh yeah yeah and then i always wanted to try that it's kind of like kickstarter but i would like to say okay um, here's the, here's the director. Here's uh, the actors, and here's sort of the, the a, a nice synopsis of what you're going to see without giving away too many spoilers. And here's some art. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the way it's going to look and feel. You know, and you could get as deep as you want. You could just look at the poster and say, "Yeah, I want to see that." Or you can go down and learn all about the composer yeah. and all the people involved and the costumes and all that. But Really, you could just hit the button and go, I'll buy that movie. You could absolutely do that. You could do that with your with your traveling Airstream film, and people who support the film get the first tickets. Yeah. You could do, I think that, I think you could do that like that. Yeah, but where do I do it? I, I don't think... Kickstarter. You think? Yeah, you do it on Kickstarter because you basically raise the money through Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever, but you probably Kickstarter since you're already working on stuff with them. Yeah, by the way, Bad Planet video game Kickstarter, um, we're... Uh, we are relaunching the Kickstarter site, I mean, the, our mm-hmm. page or whatever. So we've got more information about what the game is going to be. And we're also announcing that I'm going to do the voice, me and Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's <laughs> going to oh, come nice. in and, and play the convict, which nice. is, I don't know if, you, if you've seen Bad Planet, the convict. There's, only, there's nobody else in the world that can play the convict <laughs> but Ron Perlman. So uh, it's just, you know, I wish I could to do it but i just don't have the voice but but so ron ron's agreed to to come in and, and do that and that's exciting so you're around. so you're kickstarter for bad planet which people people should go to yeah and support check out the kickstarter bad planet video game and we got a lot of cool what do they call them prizes swag swag swag, swag. Uh, a lot of cool yeah. stuff i th- uh, i think i think boy. i think you know i think you pick 20 cities or whatever whatever kind of makes sense financially with how many tickets you could sell versus how much money you could raise. You do the Kickstarter campaign, the lowest level, the lowest level of donation gets a ticket to see the finished movie when it comes to their through those through those towns. Oh, you could do that. You could do that in a heartbeat. I think it's a cool idea. I think it's really cool. So Kickstarter is the only way to, to, to do that? Probably not the only way, but so I think need, it would be you the... You need the, a lot of eyeballs. You need a yeah, way you need information of like how information out there that you're doing this, yeah. right? Well, because... it, it or does it just spread by itself? It spreads. Some it's, of it does. If, if, if people think it's a good idea, it spreads. It's like it's like the company that right. made the... What, what was the watch? The... Um, yeah, the the Nano Watch. Yeah, yeah, like that, like that Bluetooth watch. By the watch. way, oh, where yeah, the yeah, hell yeah. is my Dick Tracy uh, FaceTime watch? Seriously, it's fucking like, 2012, dude. I'm look, looking online. I'm like, okay, I see the wristwatch phones. They're all there. There are a few out there. They look like shit. But <laughs> where is the FaceTime on the watch? It's 2012. We have the technology. No kidding. No one wants it. I don't no, know. No I don't know what it. it is. You know, I don't I mean, want it. Do you, do you remember in the mid '80s, like when I've been the dying when, for this thing since I was six? There were there were TV watches in the '80s that on the heels of the Walkman and the Watchman, the Sony Watchman, and right. then they made an actual watch with a television screen on it, and and no one bought them. And so I I guess people just don't want to watch it. You know, like but that Nano watch was a hit. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that watch was raised on Kickstarter. That was raised on Kickstarter. They raised like ten million dollars. You know, it's just a and sim- that watch was a total hit. I mean, they, that sold like wildfire. Everybody's got a nano on their on their watch, but you can't FaceTime on it. I'm telling but you, I hear that uh, Apple's coming out with a with a official. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. That they're coming out with an official face a watch. 
uh, an iPhone watch. I would be interested to see if they did that. Mm. You don't think? You think I don't know. Possible? You know, they, 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 it seems really segmented for them. It is very segmented, and, and Apple's Apple's typical model is that yeah, they I heard that at the at San Diego. May, maybe it's happening. But if, but historically, if you look at the way Apple appro- yeah. approaches their product development, with the exception of well, even even with even with the Apple the Mac platform. They kind of hang back and wait to see if there's a potential market for something, yeah. and then they kind of go in and perfect it with design and 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 that's sort of you know right. they obviously they didn't invent the MP3 Huge player they didn't they didn't invent the yeah. smartphone you know like they just saw that there was a market and then figured out so because there isn't really a market for that thing that that kind of thing yet I, uh, but maybe they will maybe you're right I I don't I just haven't heard anything about I it just want one. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, L- you may have to make this thing that you want. Uh, yeah. LG, uh, I think LG made one, but I don't, lucky I don't think gold it star. I don't think it works. I think you need a special. I think you need another LG watch to see the FaceTime. But LG actually does have a watch came out like three, four years ago. That's it looks pretty cool too, and uh, and it's a you know smartphone on your watch, but it has a little camera, and they say you know you can make video calls. Oh, that's cool. You know, but I don't know if you can link it up with a with a with an iPhone. Or is, Probably which is not. It need. would give you a good excuse after a while to be like, I I'm tired of talking at you. My arm is sore, and then you just kind of put your arm down and then hang up oh, the phone. Man. Well, they do have the they do have the watch bands that that hold up the nanos or the right. Yeah. So they there is a version of that. I it'd be interesting to see if they do that. Um, I so, think so. The last thing you guys are ready to wrap it up, right? No, no, we're just we we're we're not we're not in a hurry. We just always do. I, we are we always try to give the guests. We don't want to take advantage of their time. <laughs> and the shows are about an hour, but they don't have to be exactly right. an hour. Well, I I wanted to say that you know speaking about doing crap by yourself and all that stuff. Um, the latest thing that I'm going to put out, I think I'm going to try to put it out next week. But uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, of. Uh, like many people from my generation, I'm a huge fan of the Six Million Dollar Man. Of course, Steve Austin, and a man barely alive. So I have had this idea for a for a, a Six Billion Dollar Man sure. movie for forever, and I finally I can't, you know it's like tied up and it, it was going to be a Jim Carrey movie for a while. And no, you got to be the guy. This thing a bunch of times, and they've got so much money behind it or against it or whatever the script to to get it to get it going, but. Uh, I said, fuck it. And a little bit, a little bit ago, I went and did something that in the commercial business, they call it a ripomatic. Okay. And what you do is you tell the story that you want to tell by using clips from other movies. Okay. Oh, interesting. So I took about 30 films and comb through them and commercials and music videos and you know anything that ha- that was on film that I could get my hands on and I combed through it and I created a 6 billion dollar man movie trailer what the where is this where the fuck is this <laughs> it's on his computer right now it's, it's sitting on, on his iMac right now. yeah i wh- and i'm going to i'm going i want to uh, when does this thing air we'll put it up wh- whatever it works best for you we can put it up oh, within. Sooner or later, I better, better, I guess, right? When do they want? It? When should we air it? What day is it? Yes. Right. We should. You know what? But anyway, we, I was thinking that maybe I could could uh, we you know we could debut it on your. You guys have a, we have yes, a YouTube channel. Yeah. Yes, of course you can. Yeah. It's my channel, and I get to make those decisions. <laughs> so of well, course you can. I mean, 
the legendary entertainment channel now. Yeah, we get to run it independently. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I mean that's entirely the, that's entirely the spirit of what we're what we're talking about. I don't know. I I think we should have. I think we should have a few chats off off the podcast because I think there's a lot of fun stuff for us to fun stuff for us to do. I, I just I love the idea of like, oh, you got a good idea. I would like to help facilitate making that happen because that should just exist in the world. That's the best reason to do anything. It's just like, oh, I just want to see that. That's right. I just want to see that in the world. Yeah. Um, that's what the world is for. Exactly. That's why we were put here, people. <laughs> it's just to try stuff. But it's funny how people, they go, oh, we couldn't do that because we don't have the day. And when you really think about it, it's like when you said, oh, you just wake up one day and you go, we could just shoot this thing this weekend. You really, that epiphany moment for people who want to be creators is so valuable and important. Yeah. When you finally just realize, oh, I guess I was just talking myself out of that for no reason because I just assumed there's this whole idea that I think was kind of given to us by maybe not so much our parents' generation, but certainly our grandparents' generation where it's like, you know, the, 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 the system is there to keep you down, keep your head down, just work, do work a job you hate and then retire when you're 60 or 55 or whatever. And now it's called the industrial revolution. It is. I guess it is the industrial revolution. But now we don't have to live that way. And I think it's of an important moment when people kind of That's realize right. that. That's right. We're slowly starting to realize that that we can change the whole world. You know, if nobody voted in November, change the world, and that's just by doing nothing at all. Right? That's right. If nobody voted, then that vote would say this system sucks and it needs to change. <laughs> but of course, and that and there are a lot of people that you know. I mean, there's a lot like, of great ideas about how to change that system. Two you know? people voted: Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, but exactly. they voted for themselves. You know, <laughs> even if even if even if say you know only 20% of the people that normally voted voted you know <laughs> then the message even though you'd still have that president and all that shit would be status quo but the message would be loud and clear wow we can and it wouldn't be to the government it would be to the people sure the message would be we have the power to affect change here yeah and that's everybody feels disenfranchised but the truth is in this election year we are not that's a lie it's well, a total lie. But it's, and the internet is scary, and they want to shut us down. They want to shut us down. And just keep that in the back of your mind. They are looking for reasons. And in fact, they just finally passed a bill that said, in an emergency situation, the government can take control of the internet. That's a law that they passed. That is a bullshit law that should not exist, and that we let... Uh, exist. Well, Why I don't know how that that's. Exist? I don't know how that's enforceable since the internet's not just an American thing. There's a kill switch. <laughs> oh, there is boy. a kill switch. The only way that you can keep the internet. Are you kidding? The only way you can keep the internet going is if you had uh, your own Wi-Fi. Which, by the way, they're working on. I forget the name of them, but they go around with little briefcases and they put up Wi-Fi systems on rooftops. That's sure. the only internet that would be up. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. They can shut it down in a second. South Korea just hit 100% Wi-Fi. Did they? Them. Yeah. This is a much smaller landmass, though. So? Well, I'm Still just saying. Even Wi-Fi, they can shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, but they're also ahead but of But there us. are ways to make the, the internet unshutdownable, but we are not there. No. Um, Let's just focus on making cool movies right now. Yeah, yeah. And then in the... And then in the and well, then, I, that's what I... I make cool movies, and you could affect a, a revolution. You could change the world with a great movie. Easy Rider. 
Yeah. Easy Rider ushered in a whole social revolution. Or at least... Yeah, at I least thought you just I mean, nicknamed him Rider like, and we're saying I mean, Easy Rider. I mean, at the Rider. bottom of what everybody says is, you know, really, I mean, what really? I mean, we're just goofing around, you know, playing... We're playing in the sandbox. It doesn't really mean anything, you know? At the end of the day, we're just bullshitting. Sure. It's not true. We're not just bullshitting. No, no. People have a lot of power. Everyone has a lot of power. In the entertainment industry. Yeah. In making movies, making music, you know, make, making uh, podcasts. It's like... You're actually, you know, have a lot. We we have a lot more power than we than we, and it's a it's a lot more meaningful than I think that we give it credence to. You know. Yeah. Some of the most meaningful memories of my life has been experiences I've had watching uh, great movies that change the way I look at the world. What do you think is what's your most influential film? Porky's too. <laughs> the next day. Yeah, the next day. Yep, because yep. uh, they had to deal with all of the well, aftermath. He stuck his penis through that little hole. Tommy Turner. Yeah. Yep, and then Miss Ballbricker. Yeah. And then, like, and then it's all the fallout. That was just kind of terrifying. That's where we are culturally right now. It's Porky's too. the next day. All the shit has gone down, and now Porky's going to get his revenge. <laughs> Porky being the government. <laughs> Porky's 2 is the most socially relevant film of our time. Check here, out. here. Watch it, kids. You can see it's just it's just laden with political imagery. It's uh, it's the Nostradamus of our generation. It's predict it predicted everything. The market crash, the dot-com bubble. It's all in Porky's 2. Porky is the dot-com bubble. I, I guess Porky was God. Oh. Porky is the totally god. Changes everything for me. Porky's the Higgs boson. Yeah. <laughs> Porky was discovered at CERN. We've learned a lot of very important things today about Porky's too. Um, my last question is, uh, which I'm sure you get asked a lot, is um, uh, the no shoes. You hate shoes. Yeah, I don't like shoes. How do you... I, I've always been curious, like... Because I see people walk around barefoot, I'm like, but there's glass on the ground, and people leave needles in I places. I don't think there's as much glass and needles on the ground as you think. There's so many glasses and needles. <laughs> this is not 1978. It Los is Angeles. 70... Did your mom tell you that? Yes. <laughs> I have never injured my foot, except for... And I've been walking around barefoot since I was a teenager. Um, and people have been giving me shit about my shoes since I was a teenager. Um, You're a you know, trailblazer. And they hit that point where it's like, well, am I just going to put on shoes just because people, you know, are going to give me shit if I don't? You know, it's, it becomes one of these weird, uh, like, challenges in your life. To, sure. Are you just going to do what you want to do? Yeah. And what you've always done? And yeah. Act, act, am I going to act like who I am or am I going to sort of like cow to the to the weird pressure of people just leave me alone. <laughs> I think it's an interesting social experiment because it really doesn't affect anyone. Well, but I would have to think of it. I've walked around barefoot outside uh, pretty extensively. And uh, the only oh. time I've ever hurt my foot has been in my own house, like right. stepping on a thumbtack <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> but yeah, you know, what's funny is like after a while, like, I don't, I have, I can't remember the last time I stubbed my toe. Right. You know, you just kind of, you're more like aware of your feet. You're a little more aware. Yeah. And you know why I don't wear shoes is because, it helps me uh, stay aware, oh, and not just of my feet. It helps me stay aware that I'm a human biological being. When you put strap these like machine crafted objects onto your feet, my opinion is it separates you from the human animal that you are. You yeah, know? but it makes You're me a little bit taller. <laughs> Come out of the dirt. 
You know, that's what we do. We've come out of the dirt and we surround ourselves with all this glass and nice stuff. And we really try to forget the fact that we fart and shit and eat and fuck. Mm -hmm. The truth is we're... we're I don't forget any of those things. And cuddle. Dirty animals. We are filthy. And filthy, dirty animal. And, uh, and, and you know what? It's, a, it's such a blissful feeling. I could go on about other things that I don't do that, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> but I'm not gonna do that. Um, I I think, I think that there is a message, that there's a consistent personality trait that you have that will, I hope, continue on this path of trying to blaze trails in new media and affecting the change that you have always wanted. And I think it starts with the not wearing shoes thing. Where you're like, yeah, I don't fucking care if anyone... I do think it's funny. It's one of those things that, you, like I was about to say before, it doesn't really affect anyone, but I'm sure still people are like, what are you, what are you doing? Why can't you, why can't you wear shoes like the rest of us? Yeah, it, it does have... You don't wear shoes, but you wear a hat? What's wrong with you? Bitch, shoes are like hats for your feet. Why not some feet hats? You'd be oh. surprised how, what the reactions are. It's, it's really kind of funny. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, you know? It's finding that little cracks in the seams of what the things that we've been taught, the realities that we've, that we've been fed that aren't true, find the cracks in those seams and break them apart, you know? Because if you could find one crack somewhere, then you could tear down the whole fucking thing. Well, the crack right now is in the entertainment industry with these kind of 20 to $30 million kind of true crime budget things. And I feel like we have a lot to talk about. So uh, we will, we should talk. And then, and then you can come back on the podcast if you want. And, and, and like every so often, I want to keep checking in with you and kind of seeing what sort of stuff you're into. Cause I had no, I mean, I, I was, I was, you know, maybe loosely aware that like, oh, you, you know, we're doing this comic imprint and then you directed this movie, but I didn't realize how deep it went, how much a part of the, how much a, actually a part of the demographic you are as opposed to just a performer. Like you're right. in the community yeah. of people that you are want to make stuff for, right. So, which I think is very important. So I want to keep checking in with you every so often and just see how it's going and if there's anything we can do to help out. Okay, so it could be fun. Sounds good. Um, so lastly, just uh, plugs. The beginning the, of a beautiful friendship. This is a beautiful. So the Kickstarter page for Bad Planet, uh, people should look at that. Ross, is it rawstudios.com? Yep, rawstudios.com. And uh, our forum, too. We got a really great forum, and there's a great thread on there about Dirty Laundry and the Bad Planet video game, and there's a lot of great people on the forum. It's really cool. There's no flaming going on, but it's a lot of people. Um, it's, a really, it's a really good forum. I'm very proud of those guys. Good. Oh, it's hard to run a forum without, without trolls. That's a, that's a pretty amazing feat. It really is, man. <laughs> We've got a bunch of people on there, and, and I, you know, I don't know what is some kind of magic that we, what we have. It's like hardly ever happens well we and we and we get the right. same we have the same effect on our website if you get enough cool nice yeah. people in the beginning then they'll just kind of stamp it out before it gets out of control and so it's 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 just it's sort of a lucky thing that happens but it's it's we appreciate it yeah. um so thanks for being here man it was good talking to you really good talking to you great you, where's my cat is she's around she's right here she's, she's been asleep on the, on the she's been asleep on the board <laughs> i've taken no less than 10 <laughs> pictures of your adorable cat sleeping on the board which i will I probably post to reddit later because this is the kind of shit that reddit loves awesome. uh so enjoy your burrito everyone now leaving nerdist.com <laughs> This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Hover.com, Hover's domain name registration and management that is simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to hover.com slash Nerdist. Hey you, it's Jason Bateman. 
Have you listened to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is JJ well, JJ JJ. Why are you yeah. Why are you whispering? Well, it, there's there's a pst in the in the in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like they are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span our mystery. We'll cut this out. Our mystery guests. All right, here we, we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life and if you're yeah, a Wondery fan then you're going to stone yeah. just you come and listen Tyson. to it. Yeah. We're on Wondery right now and you can listen yeah. to us and no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.